0: Welcome to the Healthy Podcast, presented by Melrose Wakefield Healthcare. My name is Rob Branya, and I am pleased to welcome Dr. David Lesnick, who is an otolaryngologist or ear, nose, and throat doctor at Melrose Wakefield Hospital and also at Tufts Medical Center Community Care. Dr. Lesnick, thank you for being here.
1: Thanks for having me today, Rob. It's a pleasure.
0: So let's jump right in. Uh, it's cold and flu season. And every year at this time, we see the usual suspects pop up, colds, flu, bronchitis, and sinus issues. Mm -hmm. Whether they're infections or um, congestion, I know many people who are having a really hard time breathing and have tremendous pressure and discomfort uh, in their sinus area. Dr. Lesnick, what's Mm -hmm. going on?
1: Uh, Absolutely, Rob. No, you raised a lot of good points. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here today and have a chance to talk about this very common problem. And uh, as you say, a lot of people are having nasal and sinus complaints, facial uh, complaints these days, you know, nasal congestion, runny nose facial pain and pressure. A lot of times it is due to upper respiratory infections, viral infections, especially this time of year as we, it gets colder and we kind of huddle together. And so uh, very often patients think that, you know, those symptoms are necessarily related to, you know, a quote-unquote sinus infection, which is a bacterial sinus infection. But a lot of times it is a viral infection. The symptoms can be very similar. So it is important to try to Kind of tease that apart a little bit and help patients understand what's going on so that we can recommend the appropriate treatment. And as you also mentioned, fortunately, we're coming out of allergy season now. So, you know, fall in New England is a big uh, big time for allergies, and a lot of patients have a lot of those symptoms, uh, similar symptoms that are related to nasal uh, allergies that can also present similarly to a sinus infection. So so it is important to kind of help tease apart those symptoms, whether they be uh, related to an allergy flare or a upper respiratory viral infection, or whether, they, or whether they are in fact due to a bacterial sinus infection. So that's kind of what we do. We help people kind of uh, walk through that a little bit so that we can direct them toward the, the appropriate treatment.
0: Uh, can you help define some of the sinus issues? You were just mentioning inflammation versus infection. That's right. Um, can you describe sure. that a little bit? Sure. So,
1: uh, you know, I think those are the big three, uh, you know, uh, allergies, viral infections, bacterial sinus infections, although you can have even fungal, you know, sinus infections as well. But um, they all present uh, sometimes in a similar way. But really, the common thread to all those is the underlying infl- you know inflammation and the inflammatory process in the nose and sinuses. So viral infections cause inflammation in the nose, allergies cause inflammation in the nose, and so do do bacterial sinus infections. And it's really the inflammation that uh, can start the process off and lead to a lot of those symptoms because the inflammation causes swelling in the nose, can cause blockage of outflow from the sinuses, which which then can predispose one to develop a worsening infection, a, a bacterial sinus infection. So really inflammation is often the kind of Underlying culprit, uh, and that's really the, the common thread between them. So, a lot of the treatments, are, or the first line treatments, anyway, are, are based at on uh, addressing the inflammation, trying to reduce the inflammation uh, for patients who are suffering from nasal allergy symptoms. Uh, so, we can you know talk about that now or a little bit later, uh, whatever you think, uh, in terms of how do we address uh, the underlying inflammation and uh, and and other treatments that we can we can suggest.
0: Uh, sure, let's jump right in. You talked about inflammation being sort of the main culprit, the bad guy at at the cause of all of this. What's the progression? and how do we get to sort of the next level?
1: Right. So as I say, the inflammation causes a swelling and the swelling causes sometimes a pressure sensation, the pain, the discomfort. It also blocks the drainage from the sinuses, which can lead to worsening bacterial infections. So the treatment for the inflammation is often, you know, the first line treatments would include things like topical nasal saline rinses, sterile saline rinses in the nose to kind of keep things moving, keep the sinuses and nasal passages clear. And also topical nasal steroids would be another very common uh, first line treatment. And I think those two are, the real pillars of kind of nasal maintenance and sinus maintenance during allergy and flu season. So uh, decreasing the inflammation with topical nasal steroids allows the sinuses to drain. There are other medications such as antihistamines for the itching and running nose. Uh, Decongestants uh, can relieve some of the pressure sensations. Uh, Also mucolytics, things like robitussin, mucinex medications like that thin the sinus secretions, which also promote drainage from the sinuses and help maintain healthy sinuses. And then, of course, if there is a result in bacterial infection, antibiotics can be uh, useful in treating patients with uh, acute
0: or chronic bacterial sinus infections as well. And are more people, are um, different types of people more susceptible um, to gaining?
1: Right. Yeah, that's a good question. They're very, it's a common problem, right? So it's estimated that one in every seven Americans will have a nasal or sinus problem, whether it be uh, allergy problems, uh, viral rhinosinusitis, or bacterial sinus, infec- sinus infections in a given year. So it's a very common problem. You know, we spend $12 billion of uh, American healthcare funds on patients with sinus problems or nasal sinus problems in a given year. So it's a, it's a big problem. It's an
0: expensive problem. And uh, that's why it's a good topic to be discussing today. Okay, great. You had uh, mentioned a word in there, uh, sinusitis. Mm-hmm. Um, is sinusitis just another name for a sinus infection, or is it a completely different? Animal- right.
1: It's a term, you know, that gets thrown around a lot, I guess, in different ways. Um, and most people, I think, think of sinusitis as a bacterial sinus infection, something that requires antibiotics. You know, but technically, it means an underlying inflammation in the sinus cavities, and that can be uh, related to a viral infection, just as well, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you need uh, antibiotic therapy. So sinusitis is an underlying inflammatory process. It doesn't
0: necessarily indicate the need for uh, antibiotic therapy. Sometimes it does. Okay, and what's the impact on the daily life of someone suffering with these issues?
1: Right, it can be it can be a, a bigger impact than we might first appreciate. Uh, certainly, patients who have uh, chronic nasal congestion, um, uh, you know, are uncomfortable throughout the day. Uh, the pressure and facial uh, pain symptoms can be quite distracting. As anyone who's had a chronic uh, pain knows, it can um, it can affect your mood. It can affect your ability to concentrate, work performance. Patients with uh, nasal and sinus problems have difficulty with. With sleep at times. So, um, you know, it can really extend and, and affect uh, many facets of life. So it's a, it's a common condition that, you know, it's helpful if we can uh, help people uh, address it so that you can reduce that symptom level and that burden to people.
0: Okay. And it sounds like treating the symptoms um, will take care of most of the people with these issues. Uh, is... is- does right. that sound correct?
1: Well, right. So yeah, I think um, what I'd like to get at is that, yeah, many of the first-line therapies, the over-the-counter medications and such can be can be effective for people, and they don't necessarily need prescription medications or antibiotics to address uh, the problem. So I think it's a good idea to start with those first-line treatments, as we, as we uh, touched upon already, uh, the nasal saline rinses, the topical nasal steroids like you know Flonase and Nasonex and Rhinocort. There are many that are over-the-counter medications at this point. Uh, And the sinus remedies, the mucolytics, mucolytics, decongestants, and antihistamines, all those are kind of first-line, over-the-counter remedies that are available to people. And if you're taking those medications and improving, or uh, you're able to control your symptoms that way, that's a fine way to go. And it's those patients who don't respond to that uh, first-line treatment that uh, we take kind of to the next level and that we see in the office.
0: Okay. And let's talk about that next level. Sure. Um, people are miserable. They, they've tried all of the over-counter mm-hmm. things. What are some of the other treatment options? All
1: right. So as I mentioned, um, you know, if someone is indeed diagnosed with a, you know, bacterial sinus infection, then antibiotics are important. So I usually think it's a good idea for patients to, you know, try the over-the-counter symptomatic treatments for, you know, a couple of weeks, two or three weeks. So that's still within the range of a typical upper respiratory viral infection. But it's for those patients who have recurrent symptoms or symptoms that last much longer than that that uh, would, might require more treatment. And so the, certainly in anyone who has an acute uh, bacterial sinus infection, antibiotics can be helpful. Uh, sometimes we use steroids, oral steroid medications like prednisone uh, to treat patients with bacterial sinus infections, whether they be acute or chronic, more commonly in uh, patients with chronic sinusitis.
0: And is there other good news for people who are really suffering with the most extreme variations? Uh, it seems like there are always new surgical treatments or different types of options coming up. Coming up,
1: Sure. And, you know, I think uh, anyone who's had problems with this through the years, uh, recurrent problems over and over again, should undergo, I think, a thorough allergy evaluation. As we mentioned, the allergies are often one of the predisposing factors uh, that can lead to, you know, real sinus infections and chronic sinus problems. And so in the last few years, you know, allergy uh, evaluations have really come a long way, and treatments as well. Uh, so their allergies are often diagnosed by skin prick testing, for example, or sometimes blood tests, and these things are often done by an allergist. And if you can identify your triggers, then uh, you can actually undergo immunotherapy, which is, you know, uh, intradermal injections for allergy retraining and also sublingual allergy treatments, which can actually retrain the immune system to tolerate the allergic triggers. So that can be very helpful for patients who have dealt with this uh, ongoing for years and years. And that can actually sometimes, you know, quote unquote cure uh, one's allergies. So, and then that, you know, down the line can help prevent uh, recurrent sinus problems. So that's that's one thing I think uh, that most patients who have chronic uh, sinus problems should consider doing is having a full uh, full allergy evaluation. And then, of course, those patients who don't respond to you know allergy treatment, the typical medical uh, treatment with antibiotics, or they have um, worsening progressive symptoms or frequently recurrent symptoms, then of course there's surgery that is uh, becomes a better option for those patients.
0: I would imagine that by the time people come to you in your office. They've been suffering through this for quite a long time. Often that's the case. Can you describe sort of what they're going through?
1: You know, some of the things we've talked about, I think, you know, patients get quite frustrated because it's kind of a cycle, the symptoms keep coming back, and they might take a short course of therapy and improve, but, you know, they won't find themselves back in the same place, or they've had kind of persistent, sometimes low-grade symptoms, but nonetheless that are persistent and uh, and that affect their day-to-day quality of life. And, you know, if you're having, you know, poor sleep because you're uncomfortable at night, if you're uncomfortable during the day with nasal congestion and facial pain, it's going to kind of affect, you know, you in the ways that we talked about, the quality of your sleep, uh, your mood during the day, potentially your ability to focus and be productive in your, in your workplace and it can have kind of far-reaching effects on people.
0: I would imagine most of us can't really completely understand what it's like. I don't know if there's any analogies that you have for, for what it's like suffering through these issues.
1: Uh, well, you know, we we've talked about a lot of them, you know, I, I think uh, the way I think about, you know, the underlying inflammatory process and its effect on sinusitis, I think a good analogy is if you think about if you were trying to, you know, clean out your house or, you know, remove all the furniture from your house or for each room in your house, and you wanted to kind of do that down through the hallways of your home. And so if you have underlying uh, inflammation You can think of that as if you had a lot of clutter in the hallways of your home and you were trying to empty the bedrooms through a cluttered hallway. That'd be kind of difficult to do, to physically do that. So that's what kind of inflammation does uh, in the sinus cavities. It prevents the sinuses from kind of cleaning themselves out uh, and maintaining um, uh, open and clear sinus cavities. So that's why addressing the underlying inflammation, uh, typically from allergies, is so helpful for those patients. You got to keep the hallways
0: uncluttered. And for those people listening who may be suffering, what is the um, call to action in order to get to somebody like you? Do you need to go through your primary care physician first, or, right or yeah. you know, how does that all work? I think that's you
1: know often a good place to start if as we talked about, if those first line therapies aren't helpful if your symptoms are lasting you know more than a few weeks or if they recur very frequently, or certainly if you have any other uh, you know kind of red flags, things uh, that are signs of a worsening sinus infection. If you have any involvement of the soft tissues of the face, for example, or if you have any symptoms around your eyes, or if you're having worsening headaches and high fevers, you know, more severe symptoms, certainly you should seek medical attention in that case. And, you know, I think it's reasonable to start with a primary care physician. Fortunately, here at Melrose Wakefield Healthcare, we have great primary care physicians, and my experience has been that they're very uh, experienced and judicious in their treatment of patients who uh, present with sinus problems, and they, they know how to take care of those patients and on, and also know when to refer them on to a specialist like myself when it's necessary.
0: So for those extreme instances, what are some of the surgical options and how have they sort of come along over the past few years?
1: Okay, thanks for asking that. I I think it's important information. So uh, in those patients who, you know, do have the kind of recurrent problems or more severe symptoms, uh, I think a very valuable test uh, is a a CT scan of the sinuses. That's really the best x-ray that we have. Uh, and that can show us really what's going on uh, in the sinuses in situations where we can't otherwise see that. And when they come and see a specialist like me, we can do some things in the office as well. For example, an office endoscopy, uh, which is something that you might not be able to have done in a primary care physician's office. That can help, you know, demonstrate to us what's going on in the sinuses. You know, how bad the situation is, and, and is there a bacterial infection? So office endoscopy can be helpful, a CT scan of the sinuses can be helpful. And that often can uh, show us which patients might benefit from surgery. If on the CAT scan we find you know, severe sinusitis or some anatomic abnormality, for example, that's predisposing one for sinus infections, then those patients might benefit more from surgery. And that's when we kind of begin that discussion with them.
0: And that level of surgery, is that available here in the community?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, sinus surgery is uh, one of the most common things that we do as um, uh, ENT doctors, ENT surgeons. And, you know, it's always an evolution. The technology is always changing. And fortunately, um, uh, here at Menoros Wakefield, we have, you know, the the latest uh, endoscopic uh, technology and the latest in minimally invasive sinus instrumentation and and also really the -the state-of-the-art in uh, computer guided navigation uh, for sinus surgery, which really allows us to deliver a personalized sort of surgical treatment for patients because we use that CAT scan, those CAT scan images in the operating room in a three-dimensional model in real time where the surgeon can actually see that patient's anatomy while they're uh, doing the surgery in real time, which really makes the surgery faster, safer, and
0: really uh, leads to a smoother and easier recovery for patients. And are those surgeries considered day surgery procedures, or is this something where you would have to spend a little bit of time in it recovering in the a- right?
1: It's hard to say because every patient is different. Generally, uh, for patients who don't have a lot of underlying uh, medical problems, uh, for otherwise healthy patients who are, you know, electing to have sinus surgery to try to, try to address a chronic problem, it often uh, can be done as a as a day surgery. Patients going home the same day.
0: Okay, great. Dr. David Lesnick, otolaryngologist at Melrose Wakefield Hospital, thank you for being here today.
1: It's been a real pleasure, Rob. Thank you for having me.
0: If you've enjoyed this podcast or have feedback for us or want to suggest future topics, please drop us a note at community at melrosewakefield.org. The Healthy Podcast is co-produced by Melrose Wakefield Healthcare and our good friends at Wakefield Community Access Television. For more information, listings of future community events and lectures, or to find a doctor, visit melrosewakefield.org. All content heard on the Healthy Podcast was created for informational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.